Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Paulette, and I am an editor at HowStuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as usual, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland. You know, I'm just three days away from retirement. He really wanted to do that, even though he haven't done quotes in a while. Yeah, because, uh, you know, when we're talking about non-lethal weapons, I immediately thought of that great series of documentaries, <laughs> Lethal Weapon. Uh, and uh, and so we wanted to talk today about weapons that are designed to stop a target without killing that target. Or at least that that's supposed to be what they do. Well... Yeah, some some of the uh, research I did also turned up other versions of the uh, phrase non-lethal weapons, including less than lethal weapons, yes. which sounds to me like it is a a, a verbal uh, disclaimer. He's only mostly dead. Yeah. Well, it's not supposed to kill you. We actually had somebody uh, – we've had some people write in to ask us about uh, a particular – uh, one of the ones we're going to talk about today, yeah. but um, really there, there's a whole series of different kinds of things that the military and police departments around the world are investigating to basically stop people without uh, hurting them permanently, completely. Yeah, yeah. So, and this is this is tough. I mean, how do you how do you convince someone to stop uh, acting irrationally or dangerously uh, without? really hurting that person in turn. And it's yeah. tricky. Uh, but there are a lot of different approaches that we've tried to take. Yeah, and I was I'm I'm sorry. I was about to say though that uh there are a lot of reasons why you would want to do this other than, you know, simply not wanting to uh to kill someone. Um you know, for for strategic reasons, if mm-hmm. you have say uh um and, and this scenario I've seen uh, written about a lot, uh say an uprising where you have say hundreds of people uh, protesting and maybe the protest is getting out of hand. Well, the uh, the authorities who come to subdue the protesters or disperse the protesters, uh, if they kill people, they are likely to escalate yes. uh, these kinds of of riots or or disquiet. And uh, you know, it's uh, it's happened. You know, we can I can remember stories going back centuries of something like this happening. So, if there's a way to to uh, 
uh, get people to leave without really hurting anybody, that that's an advantage for for everyone, really. I mean, right. uh, the protesters don't get hurt as badly, or or uh, you know, even if it just makes them feel uncomfortable, and they leave as a result of that. I mean, it seems like uh, it's a positive for everyone. Yeah, and and we've tried a lot of different approaches with a lot of different uh, uh, methodologies a of, and a lot of different. Results. Right. Not all of them have been successful. Uh, here's one of the ones I wanted to talk about first that's just kind of interesting to me. Okay, sure. This is using sound as a weapon. Do tell. Uh, now, there are two different ways that sound tends to be used as a weapon. One of them is in something called a long-range acoustic device mm-hmm. or L-R-A-D. Ah, yes. These are focused beams of sound. You, you just, you crank up the decibel level to like 150 decibels, which is about 50 decibels over the pain threshold. Mm-hmm. And you direct it at the target. And that means the target suddenly has this incredibly loud noise, uh, directed at them. And it, it, it's a painful experience to hear it. In fact, mm-hmm. you can suffer hearing loss if you are subjected to that for too long. Uh, some of these devices have actually been used for communication purposes. I read one report that said that there were uh, Navy ships that used a form of LRAD to send out signals to um, to boats mm-hmm. as they pulled into a harbor. So let's say that a, a giant Navy vessel is sailing into a harbor that's got a, a busy fishing uh, uh, industry. Mm-hmm. And not all the fishermen are necessarily paying attention to the fact that there's an enormous ship coming in and they need to get out of the way. Mm-hmm. I, I read a report that said that there was a way where you could use this as a communications tool where you're not trying to overpower someone. You're not trying to cripple them. You're just trying to get their attention and say, hey, buddy, uh, we're coming through. You might want to move. Right. And except you're saying it in whatever the local language is and that it totally freaks people out because suddenly they can hear this voice coming from really far away as if it's on a radio or something, but there's no radio. I mean, it's just using a a focused beam of sound to direct that sound at the individual. Mm -hmm. And that that gets a little, you know, it's a little unreal, surreal, if you will. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I would love to have one of these (laughs) just to mess with people. (laughs) Like, hey, hey, you, I can see you. You know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. But 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 the, the other use of this is, like I said, crank it up and you cripple someone because it's just so loud that it, it's – the pain is uh, uh, difficult to, to bear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. On the uh, on the Department of Defense non-lethal weapons program pages and they have uh, – I use these for, for my research. Uh, they have a set of current and uh, proposed um, – different kinds of non-lethal weapons, and they use uh, what they call acoustic hailing devices, mm-hmm. which I think are, are probably related to these. Uh, and they have a picture of one of those, but they say that they use them, too, to uh, uh, give intelligible voice commands over very, very long distances. So I think they, you know, from ship to ship, um, you know, where they're not actually trying to cause pain, but they're using that level of uh, uh, extra heavy amplification to get a message across and they consider it a weapon but they're not talking about using it in the exact same way yeah uh, it's, it's like a really focused bullhorn yeah yeah uh, another um non-lethal weapon that i saw that uses sound is the impulse stunner gun oh um, I, I don't know about this one no it's a uh, it's it's pretty neat um some of these some of these weapon quote-unquote weapons uh, i guess they're technically weapons um have very interesting names. Uh, this one is uh, would have been used if you've ever watched the uh, the movie Thunderball. Um, the documentary. The Thunderball. documentary Thum- yeah. Thunderball, um, which uh, has a, a very scintillating underwater battle scene. Mm-hmm. Um, but if someone had had the impulse stunner gun, that might have gone a different way. Because basically, this is uh, uh, used to uh, stop people who are diving or swimming um, underwater. It uses a, a sound wave. That uh, travels underwater that affects the way uh, a person uh, hears mm-hmm. and will induce nausea. Ooh. So, not something you want to feel when you're underwater. No, no. And I mean, if you had, uh, you know, divers who are attempting some kind of underwater subterfuge, I wanted to say subterfuge partially because Especially it had sub it's in underwater, it. yeah. <laughs> um, you know, it would, it would, you think about that. If you were feeling suddenly like you were about to be ill, very violently ill underwater, 
I imagine it would be very hard to uh, continue on with your actions. You would yeah. have to uh, break it off and, and dive surface. for the surface, you yeah. know, dive for the surface. What? Swim to the surface. There we go. Um, but yeah, that's a, a pretty neat uh, application of sound too. Well, and, and another one I saw, which uh, did not have a name, or at least not a name that I could find, is a uh, product that was developed by some Japanese engineers. Uh, it was a gun that has a microphone, a directional microphone, mm-hmm. and directional speakers. And the, what the gun does is you point it at someone who's being loud and obnoxious – their voice goes into the microphone. It gets projected back from by the speakers at about a 0.2 second delay. Mm-hmm. So the person talking starts to hear themselves speaking, but 0.2 seconds behind what they're currently saying, which is incredibly distracting. It's very difficult to continue a train of thought when you're hearing yourself at a slight delay. If you've ever talked on the phone or on any sort of radio device where you got that little bit of an echo – or on, on on Skype, for example, mm-hmm. anything like that, where you start talking and you start hearing yourself just an instant after you're talking, it can be very disorienting. It you, can be very disorienting. <laughs> yeah, you start talking and then you're thinking, wait, I just said that. No, no, I just said that. No, 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 I just said that. And then you can't make sense of anything anymore. So this particular quote unquote weapon was sort of a, a was designed to try and take care of people who are rude. Yeah. It's not meant to be like something to disperse a crowd or whatever. It's, but there were a lot of uh, of notes I saw on the article. Yeah, that was um, popular a few a few months ago. I yeah. remember seeing seeing that a lot. So it's not a it's not something that the police are using necessarily. It's more like a I'm trying to eat my dinner in a restaurant and you're yes. having a cell phone conversation at the table next to me and you're really annoying. Yeah, or I'm at the movie theater and yeah. I just want to watch this documentary. Darn it. Um, yeah, the. The notes I saw said, what if you use this for someone who is doing some public speaking event? (laughs) But I would imagine that even with directional speakers, it's not so focused that only the person who is speaking can hear it. You know, it's not like you're beaming the words directly back into the person's ears. Everyone can hear it. So it's not like you could get away with doing something like that. Everyone would know who had done that and you would, uh, you would very quickly get your come up, and I would imagine, depending upon the circumstances of where you used it. Why I ought to pound you? Yeah. Um, like I just want to aim it at that valedictorian. <laughs> think she's so big. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, uh, I was uh, also thinking that that's interesting that we bring that up in an election year here in the United States, where people are giving a lot of speeches. Well, see, that was the thing. That was so. that was what a lot of the notes. Uh, right. Uh, were put, you know, that's what they pertain to was the idea of some sort of person who's running for an elected office right. and then disrupting their speech so that they seem like they're an idiot and then you know, gives their opponent an advantage. But the truth is, is that particular weapon or that particular product, whatever you want to call it, would not be so subtle as to allow someone to get away with that. Mm-hmm. Um, I have another, this is not, oh, do you have I had another sound? sound one? Oh, good. Um, uh, another, uh, DOD product. Okay. Um, actually looks sort of like a, a series of, of flat discs that are corded together. Uh, doesn't look very offensive, if you will, uh, weapon, but it's called the, uh, Enhanced Underwater Loudhaler. I told you they had some strange names. Uh, basically, uh, this is another underwater device that, uh, can be used up to, uh, uh, 40 meters deep in water. Um, and it can, it can transmit sound up to 457 meters away. Uh, basically they can give, it, it's sort of like the one that they use above the surface of the water, but, um, it allows you to, uh, send, I'm, you know, I actually, the one I was just talking about a few moments ago where the, uh, the device that you could use to send signals for a very long time or, uh, Make your commands heard for a very long distance. They show a picture of a Navy ship. I think you could probably use that in, in other applications. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, they can also, they can also issue commands with this underwater loud hailer or impair, uh, um, people's hearing underwater for up to two hours. Uh, it will operate. So, uh, pretty neat. It's sort of, it's sort of like the, um, in some of the other research I did, I was looking at, uh, things like caltrops. And uh, oh. devices that you would use to stop vehicles. And I wasn't really going to focus on that, but it sort of seems like that. Like you could drop this underwater. It's battery operated and they can use it to give commands and, and uh, affect divers hearing 
uh, underwater. So yeah, pretty neat. Yeah, um, I'm ready to move on to a new category unless you have another uh, sound one. Nope, no other All sound right. ones. This is this is moving to the category of air. Okay, using air as a weapon. Oh, sort of like the air zuka. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. So air zuka. So you're talking about a device. That's a toy. Yeah, it's a toy. It's a device that creates a vortex ring. Yeah. Now a vortex ring is kind of imagine sort of like a tornado, except it's in a donut shape. And it will, it's air that will rotate in this donut shape and it actually will maintain that integrity for a pretty good distance. And the air zuka is just a, it's a toy that does this. You pull back a, uh, a, a, a sort of a, well, it's a diaphragm really, and you let yeah. go and it pushes air out through a nozzle and that creates this spinning vortex of air that then can go across a room and hit someone in the face and they feel like someone just, you know, blew a huge breath of air right in their face for <laughs> for no apparent reason. So yeah, you walk in the door of a room, someone across the room has gone, Foomp, and then you go, hey, what was that? Yeah. Well, and and there's and I mean it doesn't move that fast either. So it's kind of funny because you actually can see, you know, there's there are a few seconds between when someone might fire one and someone else might feel it. Mm-hmm. And so you're just waiting and waiting. So did it work? Oh yeah, there's the guy. They're flinching now. Yep, it worked. Well, you can actually kick that up a notch, kick that up a notch, and weaponize it. Mm-hmm. And if you use pressurized gas. And you accelerate the gas to supersonic velocity as it exits the nozzle. Once it comes out of that nozzle, it becomes a high spin vortex ring that can travel a good long distance and be strong enough to knock over someone, oh, around 180 pounds. So they, it's like getting shoved in the chest by a really strong person. Uh, it's just, it's just that it's air. Now you could also, if you were so inclined, add in um, malodorants. I, you know, there were so many jokes that I were, was thinking about making, and I'm you're just not helping me. Well, the malodorants would be designed. Malodorant, of course, is something that smells bad. Mm-hmm. But a malodorant could be designed to induce nausea, uh, or uh, or to make your eyes water. So then you're getting shoved by a very stinky person, essentially. But when I say stinky person, I'm talking about smells that are so bad that you might feel like retching. It's it's not like right. it's not just, you know, oh, that's like rotten eggs. No, it's way, way worse. And uh you could even put in other stuff too if you really wanted to, like some something that would affect you even more um uh, acutely than a malodorant. Mm-hmm. But anyway, that's the general idea is just using air to knock back a person. Now in this case it you're talking about a weapon designed to really knock back individuals, right? You're not talking about, like, if there's a group of people uh, walking up, shooting each one with a vortex of air is going to take a while. Because you have to let that pressure build back up again, and you have to then release the gas so that it goes out. And then, of course, again, that's a projectile that doesn't move as fast as, say, a bullet or even sound or anything like that. So... Uh, it starts to slow down almost immediately as it moves out. Well, really immediately as soon as it uh, ejects from the nozzle. So even though it's moving at supersonic speeds within the nozzle, once it gets out, it starts to slow down. Um, so it's not it's not something that you could use on uh, a mass of people. But if you're talking about uh, aiming at a specific person to knock them down, perhaps it's a individual who has uh, shown himself to be a danger or herself to be a danger to... Uh, to others, then it would be a useful tool mm-hmm, mm-hmm. without actually causing that person direct harm. Now, granted, if the person falls down, there's always the chance that person could suffer serious injury in that fall. But the the impact of the air itself should not necessarily cause injury. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I don't really have a lot of air-based... Uh, I can move on to electricity. Well, you know, it, I do have one that's... Uh, that sort of reminds me of that. Okay. It's sort of out of that uh, uh, that field. And there was one that, that I saw as a uh, – um, it, it would be very effective against vehicles, but it also would make you, uh, uh, well, slip, called polymer ice. Did you run across this one at all? No, this is not. Now, this is, this is, a, this is a spray – but apparently what it is is essentially a, you know, a polymer is a, uh, is a chemical – 
And they would use it in places where uh, the military is looking into this as a possibility, apparently, for uh, especially for places that are uh, particularly warm, like the Middle East or, um, you know, uh, places closer to the equator than, say, well, I don't know, Greenland. Um, or maybe Atlanta, Georgia on a summer's day. Exactly. Uh, but it, it effectively creates sort of – you would spray it on the ground and it would effectively create a icy situation. So this this plastic – would make people slip and fall as though they were on ice. Um, now, if you're a, if you're thinking Keystone Cops sort of thing, so you're chasing somebody and uh, we, they've set up a trap ahead of them so that the uh, polymer is on the ground now. So they're starting to fall. And then, of course, the people who are chasing them also begin to slip and fall. So everybody is writhing around on the ground because they can't get up. It's like so, a bunch of turtles on their backs. Um, they they have been working on a, a counter agent for this to that coat, they could use coat th- the shoes. They could use it on the shoes and tires of vehicle vehicles that are you know uh, running after them. This, this I, sounds I just like a, still... a really advanced version of my automatic banana peel tosser. Yes, <laughs> but uh, yeah, the the whole you know making people fall down thing that we, where you were just talking about that a moment ago with using the uh, high powered air. I thought. Oh, slipping and falling down. That sounds like the uh, – if you could use the two together so you could really have people on their backs. So this is r- the reason why I really wanted to do this uh, this topic because the more we talk about it, the more it sounds like we're entering a world where Acme products from Warner Brothers cartoons are a reality. Well, it, it, people still like talking about that, that uh, effort that the U.S. military made to weaponize bats. Well, there's also the whole weaponized dolphins thing. Too. Yes, yes, and so, that those those things are actually well were actually real. So hey, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's some some of these are really cool, and some of them are sillier than others. You take advantages any way you can get them, and not everything sure. pans out. All right, so let's move on to electricity. Sure. Okay. So well, there's plenty of that. Yeah, uh, you know, you have your typical stun guns, which a, a basic stun gun is a device that has a couple of electrode prongs that when you uh, when you activate it, uh, electricity passes between the two prongs. Mm-hmm. So if you were to put that in contact with a human, you could shock them. And generally, it's a strong enough electric shock to make their muscles seize up. Uh, it causes pain, and it also makes people fall over if the if the shock's enough for their muscles to seize up like that. Yeah. They, they, they lose control of their muscle, um, uh, their muscle movements, and they fall over. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, you, you can't, you can't stop that, you know, because our muscles do work on electrochemical signals. Yeah. So if you use electricity to override those signals, then suddenly they just start contracting like crazy and you can't really do anything. Um, as someone who has actually felt the sting of an underpowered stun gun, I can tell you it is not a pleasant experience. Mm-hmm. Felt like a it felt like a really intense bee sting because the one that was um, I was gonna say used on me but really I used it on myself. Uh, <laughs> I was an idiot kid. I don't want to know. It was not the first one to do it either. I watched until uh, several other people went, "Ow, that that hurts." And the next one's like, "Hey, give me that." Ow, wow, that does hurt. And the next person, "Hey, give me that." Ow, and then it came around to me. I'm like. All right, give me that. <laughs> uh, but the battery had really run down, so it wasn't a very powerful stun gun. And really, the reaction we all had was if you hit an attacker with that particular stun gun because the battery had been worn down so much, you really would have just irritated them. Because, again, it wasn't enough to make all your muscles contract. It made you, made made whatever muscle it was in contact with twitch like crazy, uh, and it stung, but it wasn't enough to really be a deterrent. Well, a real stun gun with a fully charged battery is serious business. That can make yes. you fall over and it can be a while before you can get back up again. And perhaps the most, I would argue, the most famous name in this sort of technology, although it's not just a stun gun, is taser. Mm-hmm. And a typical taser is a device that ejects a pair of electrodes, fires them at a target, uh, the electrodes trail a wire that connects back to the handheld device. Mm-hmm. And then once it comes into contact with the target, electricity flows through the wires into those electrodes and shocks the target. Mm-hmm. And again, pr- creates a shock strong enough to make all those muscles contract and the person 
generally winces, says something along the lines of ow, and falls over. Yes. Um, and it, the intention is to do this in a non-lethal way. Now, there have been deaths associated with the use of tasers. In some cases, it was because of the way the, the target or the person, we'll say person, target is just the generic term, but the person fell and then the fall was partially what killed the person. In some cases, it might be that the person had a pacemaker or some other medical device that got uh, uh, that malfunctioned due to the electric shock. Right. Sometimes it has to do with uh, drugs that are in the person's system. Anyway, even though it's meant to be non-lethal, not every single instance is non-lethal. So these are, and that's pretty much true of all the things we're talking about that have these really serious consequences. Is that they could potentially kill somebody. Mm-hmm. Well, that that basic taser, you can fire that at someone who's maybe 15, 20 feet away. Uh, but taser came up with something pretty interesting that I saw, I think, back in 2009 at CES. Right. I believe you're talking about uh, an article you wrote on HowStuffWorks.com. Yeah, the taser shotgun. Yes. Yeah. Well, it actually isn't the shotgun itself. It's the shotgun shell. It's the shell. But you you do you do get you can have a a specific shotgun that is uh designed to only fire these taser shotgun shells. So they won't fire a, a round of shot. Yeah. Uh but these taser shotgun shells inside the the shell is a taser device. There are the little electronic probes that will stick into whatever the target is. The back half of the shell detaches, and there are a bunch of uh, there are a couple of wires where it'll attach to the probes. The back half dangles down from the target, and then shoots electricity through those prongs. So that gives uh, military or police the ability of firing a taser at a much greater range than they could if they were just using a handheld device. Mm-hmm. Also, the shotgun shell has little uh, fins on it that stabilize its flight. Aha. Uh-huh. So uh, I've seen unlike slow- a regular shotgun that has shot that disperses disperses as soon as you fire range. it. Yeah, yeah, this this is so that it'll give it a stable flight path, so that it'll it'll fly in the the straight direction of where you're aiming the shotgun. Right, and I, if I remember the article correctly, um, you wrote that uh, there if if they try to remove it, then they get shocked. Yeah, the 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 wires that have the Which electricity is- running through them are not shielded. So. Ow, I need to remove this. Yeah, then you double ow. You grab it and then you get shocked again. And it it does send pulses of electricity through. And I think it's like 20 seconds of a pretty serious shock so that it'll immobilize the the person. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, and they were showing, every time I see Taser at CES, they are, they tend to be showing off their technology by bringing in volunteers. And I cannot imagine ever being a volunteer for that. I, I I took a pepper spray certification course. Ooh, did you actually have to get hit by the pepper spray? Uh, to be actually certified, yes. I and uh, everyone, I, I elected not to. I watched everyone else do it, and I was very glad that I had not elected not to. Yeah, everyone I've seen. I mean, I, I've known a lot of people who've gone into the military, into mm-hmm. uh, or into the the uh, police force, or even into. Uh, to firefighter courses where part of it is that they have to be uh, exposed to this stuff yeah. so that they understand what the consequences are and they they know what the effect is. Well, and in every case, it has been a horror story to hear about their experiences. Well, yeah, that's the, uh, that's the thing. One of the reasons that pepper spray is more effective than a lot of chemical weapons, from what I understand, is that um, uh, no matter what you might be uh, – Taking if you're on some kind of drug that might otherwise, um, you know, make you feel less pain, uh, the pepper spray will still make everything swell up. Yeah, uh, involuntarily. Um, so you and, might uh, you might not notice the pain, but the swelling yeah. will still impede you. Yeah, and that was one of the reasons that uh, that they they have to do that. It was because actually goes back to your uh, shocking yourself story is yeah. to keep people from. Going, hey, Bill, look at this. You know, uh, you don't want to do that. No. On, on just, just for kicks. It's not something that, that's no, it's fun. It's serious to do. business. But, um, well, yeah. I have one other electricity one. Okay. Cool. And then I can actually add a couple things that are similar. Groovy. Running a business is no cakewalk. 
there is a ton to keep track of. Employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Hello, acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature. And of course, we'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, from actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Gene, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. He's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, then look no further than the Marketing School podcast hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast in the United States and number 15 on business in the United States. And it has amazing guests such as Alex Hormozzi, Layla Hormozzi, Cody Sanchez. We pull in these amazing interviews with other people that are not only great marketers, but actual operators. And the icing on the cake is Neil and myself were also operators as well. So we share learnings from the trenches. We share secrets that we otherwise wouldn't be sharing with other people. And we also share other advantages that will help you get ahead of your competition. So all you have to do is listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, the last one I wanted to talk about, and this is still a taser one, mm-hmm. is the taser shockwave. Now, I don't know much about this one. Uh, this was another one that I saw on display the same time as the shotgun. Now, shockwave is essentially it's a bank of tasers. Mm-hmm. Take six regular taser guns together in a 20-degree arc uh, and put them on a tripod. And then you set it out in front of you. And that way, when the rampaging horde of zombies comes at you, you can fire off. If you wanted to, you could fire off all six at the same time, hitting those those people as they come at you. Are, but you can also stack them. Are zombies affected by electricity? Well, they, their muscles would have to be, right? You would think there would be a galvanic response. But, yeah, you know, I mean, you know, I, clearly I know. there's a galvanic response. I mean, come on, Frankenstein alone. All right, anyway, we'll have this discussion offline. <laughs> but you can stack these taser shockwaves. So you could have three or four of them stacked on top of each other, which mm-hmm. means now you've got four, three or four times that, so 18 or 24 stun guns at your – taser stun guns at your disposal. This is terrifying to look at in person. I mean, you yeah. look at this thing and you just think of the – 
you, you realize like this is for very serious problems like a, a an uprising or a riot or mm-hmm. something where there are there's a, a, a demonstrable danger to people and property. Mm-hmm. I, like I think about the riots that happened in London in, in the, yeah. the summer of 2011. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, this is the sort of thing where you could imagine uh, something like this deployed where it's – you know you wouldn't think of this as a, a – the first option, but it's definitely one of those things that, you know, could be in an arsenal for con- trying to do crowd control or prevent uh, a, a mob or a riot from attacking a particular target. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it, it basically functions the same way as a taser stun gun. It's just that you have uh, put a whole bunch of them together in series and, uh, Actually, I guess technically they're all in parallel and you can stack them. And, and so it's like instead of having to have a whole bunch on hand where as soon as you – because as soon as you fire a taser, you can't just immediately redeploy it. Mm-hmm. You know, First of all, you, ha- you would have to reel in the electrodes again. You'd have to have a new uh, cartridge of propellant in order to shoot those electrodes out again. You'd also have to have a charged up battery to – to, to uh, deliver the shock. Yeah. So this is what gives you that capacity without having to have a whole bunch in a box behind you. Yeah, that would that would be another advantage of having the uh, taser shotgun shell. Yeah. Is you can reload very quickly and and. Yeah, it's absolutely terrifying, really. Anyway, uh, what was your next category? Let me see before I. Uh, I was going to go on to one of my favorite types of technology of all time. Oh, okay. Lasers. Okay. Well, before before we do that, since we were talking about the taser shotgun shell a moment ago, um, the Department of Defense also has uh, weapons that it uses in shotguns, um, such as sting ball shells. Um, wow. Sting, sting balls are essentially uh, – I mean, they're shot, but they're rubber. Mm. So it's almost like the beanbag guns too. Ow. Yeah. Um, this is why I think that some people use less than lethal because I imagine that uh, a rubber pellet uh, – well, judging by the effects of hockey pucks on unprotected hockey players when they get hit with them. Yeah. Or even protected ones. you know, And that's a frozen piece of rubber. So you know, I'm thinking that if it were coming at you fast enough, it could do significant damage. But they use they use sting balls in another in, in several other types of uh, weapons. Like the uh, there's a sting ball grenade uh, that launches uh, the little rubber pellets and uh, a, mo- a modular crowd control munition, um, which is about the size of a claymore mine, and uh, sends wow. 600 600 rubber balls out at high speed. Uh, quote unquote to suppress targets, and I'm pretty sure if an explosion of 600 little rubber balls were happening right next to me, then I would probably be suppressed. Yeah, yeah. I, well, here's the thing: is that when we talk about things like these these devices that shoot out uh, uh, projectiles at high speeds, clearly there's already an added danger there because you've got something that's causing this stuff to fly out at those those velocities, right? Right. So you have some sort of propellant or explosive that is giving these things the kinetic energy they need to suppress crowds. Clearly, I would imagine if you are right there next to whatever it is when it goes off, you could suffer a really severe injury, yeah. if not if not death. Well, you know, they use the flashbang grenades. Uh, they use, you know, these explosive devices to propel these out. And if you were standing right next to it, if the uh, the charge is loud enough, I'm sure it could damage your hearing. I mean, thinking back to uh, uh, Keith Moon's uh, famous appearance with The Who um, on the uh, Smothers Brothers show where he put a uh, basically just an off-the-shelf – um, explosive inside his bass drum. Yeah, and, it, and uh, didn't tell damaged, his bandmates. Yeah, and and Pete Townsend's hearing is was damaged permanently by that. Yeah, Townsend had some uh, some some interesting things to say about that, although not immediately after the explosion because he couldn't hear anything. Yeah, um, so so that's certainly an issue. I've played paintball too. Have you ever played? No, I have not. Um, one of the first things that I know, and and those use uh, the paintball guns use uh, compressed uh, carbon dioxide capsules right. um, to fire the paintballs out. Now, uh, actually, they, they, they use um, similar things in uh, law enforcement in the military. They, they have uh, capsaicin 
capsules, basically pepper spray right. in paintball form, if you will. Right. Um, and they have guns that, that fire those. But, um, you know, I was the first, very first game I played, I'd never played before. Of course, you're wearing goggles. Okay. So if you have a sting ball grenade and you are in a crowd and you don't have goggles on, then your eyes are obviously in danger. Right. But th- this is one of those things where you, you, you put the, the goggles on and you, you're ready to go and everybody's set up on your teams and they blow the whistle to start the paintball game. And the paintball, you start to hear the sounds of the paintballs behind you. And you're several hundred feet away from the people who are firing them. And you're starting to go, you know what? This is going to hurt when I get shot. And as it turns out, it does. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, these, these weapons, I mean, talking about rubber balls and some of these other things, these projectiles, even though they are designed to be non-lethal, can cause damage, uh, you know, if you, if you get hit with them in the right spot. I mean, you know, it might be you might get one in the arm from a, a thousand feet away and go, ow. Right. Okay, so you went ow. But if you were standing right next to it, it could cause a lot more damage. Yeah, if you were near it and you got it in the rib, you could have a broken rib or yeah. at least a bruised rib. Yeah. Well, they, getting... they, <laughs> they cause welts, those paintballs. I would imagine so. Ow. Moving on to lasers. Yes. One of the most basic forms of using a laser as a non-lethal weapon is uh-huh. is you don't you don't have a high-powered laser. Use a low-powered laser right. to direct light at optics or sensors or people's vision, mm-hmm. and you're just trying to blind them. Now, these are called dazzlers or personal halting and stimulation response weapons. The oh. acronym is phaser. <sighs> I know. It's not mine. I didn't make it up. Yeah, the uh, the Department of Defense has what it calls the green laser interdiction system. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. That's another way of putting it. Yeah, and they 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 mount those on rifles. Yeah. To uh to uh, dazzle their opponents. Uh, well, I mean, you think about it. There have been stories in the media uh, about people who are using off the shelf laser pointers and pointing them at aircraft. Yeah, trying to, to be blind, funny to blind the uh, pilots. Uh, yeah, the in this case, which these, is not okay. These lasers are are they're low powered in the sense that they're not they're not powered high enough to do physical damage against something. They're not going to do any sort of vaporization or ablation or anything like that. Right, right. But they will uh they will cut straight through things like fog mm-hmm. and um and they are very, very bright. And they're bright enough to actually blind you temporarily if you were to look into it. And it also again is used to to uh confuse sensors and optics so that uh let's say that you've got a coordinated attack on a target. This way you can um, you can minimize their defenses as much as you can when your attack is approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, if you, you think about it, you um, well, they also have a device called uh, ocular interruption, which mm-hmm. is sort of a a broader effect. Um, you know, they could use it to uh, to warn and suppress uh, people who are, you know, the enemy or the the opponents of the. Uh, military or law enforcement trying to stop people but it uh it's a it, it's rather than shining a pinpoint type laser directly at somebody it's more of a a very very bright light distributed um and uh you think about it you get some uh, smoke grenades and uh some some lasers and and uh very bright lights and you either have uh, a very effective way to uh confuse people or a rock concert I was about to say the music a pink floyd concert well i it and looking at pictures of this, it's very it's very reminiscent of the kinds of effects that you would see at a at a rock concert. All in all, you're just another brick in the wall. Boy. Uh, okay, so moving on with more laser stuff. How have you heard about laser induced plasma channels? No, I haven't. LIPC. All right, so this is kind of an interesting idea. So you know what a plasma is? It's an ionized gas. Plasma. <laughs> Dog plasma. All right, let's just. Come on, reel it in, big guy. Oh, okay. So plasma is an ionized gas, which means that it has free electrons flowing through this gas. It means that the gas itself can conduct electricity. Uh-huh. So imagine that you use a laser to create a channel of plasma. So in other words, you've got this area of of atmosphere, and then you create a channel of plasma within it, a pretty narrow channel. And then you fire electricity down that channel. It'll go across that channel as if it were a wire. Mm-hmm. So you could beam electricity in a way. Now, these things require a lot of power, and they don't have a lot of distance to them. So instead of being used as a weapon where you would direct it at an on, uh, approaching 
enemy. Mm-hmm. You use it as a way of barricading a hallway or a corridor. Yeah. So you create these lasers that go up and down, say, a wall. So they're they're aligned horizontally. You could do them vertically, too, if you wanted to. But horizontally across um, uh, a hallway, you shoot this laser across the hallway, which creates this thin channel of plasma that spans the hallway. Then you shoot electricity along that channel. And now you've got these zapping beams of electricity spanning the hallway, which act as a pretty strong deterrent against anyone who has uh, trying to make um, unauthorized access to that corridor. I don't know. I've seen all those spy movies. All you have to do is, you know, do cartwheels and stuff over the lasers. Yeah, and get away. electricity works a little differently than lasers do. But uh, yeah, go <laughs> ahead and give that a shot. Um, yeah, actually, uh, that's reminiscent. Uh, you know, jokes aside, that's reminiscent of the uh, plasma cutter podcast that we did some yeah. time ago. Yeah, it's not not entirely different. Now, most With of the, less lethal effects. Yeah, and this is intended again to be a non-lethal, a way of of stopping people from accessing. Uh, uh, hallways and corridors. Uh, it's it's not you know it's not the most uh, efficient means of trying to keep people out because it does require quite a bit of power to operate. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have the pulsed energy projectile or PEP. Mm-hmm. PEP. Now this is one of the versions of the pain ray. And in, <laughs> in fact, we were specifically asked about the pain ray. Now it's a shame about ray. Yeah. <laughs> This reminds me of that time you tried to drill a hole in your head. Uh, the actually that was Egon. The uh, but this this particular weapon is different from the other one we'll talk about, which uses right. microwaves. We'll mm-hmm. move on to that in a little bit. This one uses a laser and again creates plasma. Running a business is no cakewalk. There is a ton to keep track of: employees to keep happy, spending to control, travel to plan, and on top of it all, nobody knows exactly what the future holds. Your finance team always has to be ready to change. But with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices. And that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is, experience. And you can finally say goodbye to the costly mistakes and risks that come from manual work and spreadsheets. So, while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. Hello! Acclaimed comics writer and notorious Scott Summers hater, Rosie Knight. Well, hello, Emmy-winning podcaster and totally unbiased Targaryen royal supporter, Jason Concepcion. Rosie, somehow the X-Ray Vision podcast has returned. It feels so good. It does. And like always, we'll be here every week covering the wide world of TV, movies, comics, and geek culture. That's right. We'll be talking about Batman, heroes of that stature, and of course... We'll be inviting our friends in the industry to come geek out with us and share stories. We'll hear from TV writers, actors, comics creators, pop culture critics, and more. Nothing is off the table because geek culture is pop culture. And we can't wait to share our love of it all with you every single week. Listen to X-Ray Vision on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Eugene Fodor. Gene, we'll boot it. 
Much of the joy you will find on the road comes from the person you share it with. So you write the books, Jin, and Vlastar on the business. I understand now. It's a wise man who marries a wiser woman. But be careful and choose your travel partner well, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. Get down! I'm not stupid, Jean. Something is going on, and it's high time you tell me the truth. Freeze, Americano! Huh? Oh! Jean, run! So travel before it's too late. Your money will return. Your time won't. And we're all too quickly approaching that final destination. Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So, the... Pulsed energy projectile, what it does is it uses a deuterium fluoride laser that emits a very high-powered invisible laser. It's in the infrared spectrum that when it hits something, it essentially starts to vaporize what it hits just on the very surface level. So if it hit you, it would start to vaporize you, but not like disintegrating. It would just be on the very surface, so like the top level of skin or whatever. But then it creates an exploding plasma. The electrons that the gas will give off start to get even more energized uh, as this laser pulses. And that energy creates this exploding plasma, and that in turn will stun a target. And it gives off this electromagnetic radiation that activates your nerve cells, Mm -hmm. which can give you the sense of pain. And that pain could be... In many different forms, it could be depending upon the the pulse. It could be a stabbing pain. It could feel like burning. It could feel like uh, ice. Um, and then there's also a lethal version of this technology mm-hmm. called the pulsed impulsive kill laser, which has the best acronym of all time: pickle. P I K L. So the uh, deadly pickle. <laughs> So when you fire, fire that, you press the pickle switch. That's right. Yes. Give them the pickle. So uh, this was developed by a company called Mission Research Corporation, which is now part of Alliant Tech Systems. And there's some downsides to this weapon. Uh, one of the biggest is that it's huge. This is an enormous weapon that requires essentially a vehicle to move it around. So you, it's a mounted weapon at the time, at, at right now. It weighs around like 500 pounds. So it's not something that could be deployed in a, uh, like for your average infantry soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, there, there's just, there's no way of, of, of miniaturizing it down at the moment. So it's effective. Uh, and it is, you know, supposed to, again, supposed to be non-lethal. It, essentially stuns the target and makes them hurt, but it doesn't kill them or, mm-hmm. or, or specifically actually injure them. It's just, again, activating their, their nerve endings. So there's no physical damage going on. It's just stimulating those nerve endings to create pain, mm-hmm. which in a way is like absolutely terrifying. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it, there's no physical damage being done, but still really scary. Yeah. Uh, but not widely deployed. Right. Right. Yeah, the uh the they've been talking about these weapons for quite some time. Yeah. Years and years at this point. And uh the the one that we really should talk about has uh well it has its own set of drawbacks, but it does use microwaves. Yes. Um and uh <laughs> let's see, where where to begin well, with Well, I guess this? we can call it the the there are two different versions of it that I read about the uh-huh. active denial system. Yeah, that's the one I've read about most. ADS. Mm-hmm. Well, there's also one called the Silent Guardian, which is kind of a right. little brother to uh, ADS. So ADS has a range of around 500 meters, mm-hmm. and Silent Guardian has a range of around 250 meters. So, uh, but they both work on the same principle. They both use microwaves uh, to create a pain ray. Yeah. And uh, it gives you the sensation of burning. Yes. You, you, when you're hit by it, you feel like you are are uh, you, like your skin is being uh, subjected to incredibly high temperatures. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a CBS report on this and the reporter actually withstood several blasts of this and explained what it felt like. He said that it felt like scalding water was being poured over mm-hmm. his entire body and he was wearing 
you know, uh, it was actually a cool day. He was wearing uh, a pretty heavy jacket. Mm-hmm. And he says that the microwaves just penetrate straight through the clothing. So yeah. the clothing offered no protection whatsoever. It didn't matter if his skin were, was exposed or not. Uh, he then held up a piece of plywood to use as a shield. And he said the problem was that using that still kept a lot of his body unprotected. And um, just hitting his feet and his hands was enough to make him dodge out of the way of the 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 pain ray. Yeah. Now, he used a mattress, which helped a little bit, but he said even then he could only get so far before it got so painful that he couldn't stand it anymore. Mm-hmm. And uh, and this is, you know, again, a pretty scary technology. It uses a microwave at around 95 gigahertz of frequency. Mm-hmm. And at that frequency, uh, the the penetration of the microwave is only about 1 64th of an inch. So it's designed so it will not cook you from the inside out. Yeah, a microwave oven goes much deeper than that. It, it can go several centimeters into whatever it is that it yeah. is being exposed to it. Um, and this uh, this device is, is really um, – I, I read that uh, um, they had – the military had invited several people to uh, the um, Marine Corps base at Quantico, Virginia – to uh, experience this because basically they've been trying to drum up support for this. This device has been around for literally like 15, 20 years now. Yeah. Um, and the, again, this is one of the uh, the devices that has been pursued very actively by the military in, a, in an attempt to come up with something that is less than lethal and a way to discourage people. And yes, it does work. Um, the reason they're having to drum up support for it uh, is uh, for one thing, it, it's known that it uses microwaves. Um, they deployed uh, the military deployed several of these uh, pain rays to um, the Middle East to use in theaters over there in the last few years, and they never really used them uh, because they were afraid that people would uh, start talking about how the military were using microwaves. Uh, and they, you know, oh, well, you're going to cook us or you're going to make us sterile. Yeah, um, or, yeah, you're going to irradiate us. You're this, going to irradiate this, us. And that's bad a, publicity, which this, is if you're trying to say, look, you know, we don't want uh, fighting to escalate. Right. We just want to break this uh, argument up and, and stop this particular incident right here. And it's, it's funny it because a lot of this is based on ignorance of how microwaves work. Because microwaves are a form of non-ionizing radiation. Right. But a lot of people don't – they understand that they, – they think of it in terms of the microwave oven. Right. We know that that can be used to, to irradiate cook. and cook. Well, and, and – So most and people don't these, know that. Th- this, this pain ray, if it were left on someone and they were unable to move, it would cause burns. Yes. Uh, you know, a you couple people have been put in the hospital. Yeah. You, you, could, you could suffer actual burns to your skin. Now, you're not going to have the uh, – if you were sitting there long enough, those burns would start to burn through you. But the uh, you wouldn't immediately suffer like deep burns. You would have skin burns, which aren't that's no joy either. But no. um, mm-hmm. it it heats your skin up to about 130 degrees Fahrenheit, which is about 54 degrees Celsius. And uh, at that temperature, you're not. It's it's. It's enough for it to be painful, so you want to get out of the way. Yeah, it's not supposed to be so hot that it's going to immediately cause blisters to form and that kind of thing. Yes. Um, but, you know, that's it. definitely there are – there's a perception that since it uses microwaves, it is more even – I want to say more sinister. But really when you're talking about inflicting pain, that's pretty sinister already. But uh, – or yeah. at least it can be. It can, yeah. That's what it can be perceived as. Right. Uh, but it's not as as – it doesn't – cause injury the way you would immediately assume once you hear a microwave. Right, right. Um, there's another problem with it, too. What's that? It takes a lot of energy, yeah. and it takes a long time to turn on. So you can't uh, say there's a, a, dem- a demonstration that has gone out of hand. There are people throwing stuff. There are people looting, and you want to stop them. You don't drive up in the truck with a pain ray mounted on it. Um, the ones I, the pictures I've seen show a, a Humvee. Well, a giant, it looks like a giant, uh, satellite dish sort of, yeah. uh, thing on the top of big, P- big antenna. The PEP is essentially a very similar form factor. Yeah. And, uh, you don't, you don't, you know, drive up in the, uh, pain ray mobile and flip the switch and cause everybody to stop burning and looting. It, it takes a long time to power up. I've seen hours listed as the time it takes yeah. to, to power it up. First, you have to have a comedian come out, warm up the crowd. Yeah. 
Hey, so uh, you know, once things really get cooking, that's when you turn on the microwave. <laughs> I see you're all looting. Hey, I like to loot. Hey, you want hey, some shoes? You know, whenever you're looting and there's just nothing to pick up and throw through the window of that department store, doesn't that just make you crazy? Um, hey, you got a size uh, ten conquistador over there? <laughs> they, um, run, they, they run tight. So, uh, yeah. So, um. Yeah, this is that. That's also a problem with it. It's not something that it has to be in place and on. Um, and in the case of having it vehicle mounted, that means you have to be running the engine yep. to keep the power on. Yep. Or you know, a lot of battery usage, and that's uh, in an era when fuel is a lot more dear in cost. Um, that is a downside that that's hard to ignore. So um, this very sophisticated, uh, non-lethal weapon may just end up. Shelved because it's, uh, uh, you know, it's, it's got not drawbacks. Yeah. yeah. Now, did you have any others you wanted to talk about? Because I'm done, but you said you had a few futuristic ones that you wanted well, to chat about. There was one. I know we're running a little long, so yeah. I, I just wanted to mention the one. I, I actually saw a thing in Wired about this in, in the magazine a few years ago, which is when it, when you mentioned this, I thought, oh, that would be fun. I still can't find where I put that, but there was one that I read about then that I just I found a little bit on, and they still. They've pursued it, but it seems like it's sort of fallen by the wayside, and that would be the goo gun. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and uh, it's been called different things, but what it's designed to do, it's sort of like the uh, the polymer ice, except it's designed to immobilize a target by shooting gooey, silly string-like stuff at them. Uh, I, and why aren't I remember it saying uh, that it used some kind of uh, uh, bone derivative to to use this and it's supposed to harden up when you uh, get sprayed with it I see so it's a foam that that then yeah. solidifies yeah and and I think um, I think now what they've been using is more of a, a synthetic a polymer type uh, material I've, I've seen pictures of it um, it, it looks almost like the uh, the pink slime that people have been talking about about uh, meat processing lately it's uh, sort of a gooey pink uh, tube-like stuff. The problem is it doesn't harden quickly enough to stop someone who's running. <laughs> so you end up gooey, but you don't end up uh, hardening up like a cartoon character after they've been coated in cement, which is to say, you know, within about half of a second. Mm -hmm. You know, every time somebody gets poured on uh, concrete on them in the cartoons, they, you know, it instantly hardens. <laughs> you know, it doesn't do that. Um, so that's kind of disappeared uh, from that. Um, from that uh, uh, usage, but I have seen that people are using net guns, and they've been using some kind of sticky material on the net so that mm -hmm. the net sticks to you, and that seems like it might be promising because if you uh, shoot somebody with the net, um, then uh, uh, you know, and it has that sticky stuff, and you can't it, think of it as like flypaper. All of a sudden, you're tangled up in this net; you can't run anymore. Um, it, it seems like that would be hard to load. You know, it would be more effective against a very small number of people. If you're dealing with a horde of zombies, I don't think you're – if you're by yourself, you're pretty much stuck. Yeah. I, well, I got five of them, but 300 more are coming at me. I right. think I'm in trouble. Close up the mall. Well, I, I found the I found the article, I think, that you were talking about on Wired. It's called uh, Army Reloads on Sticky Foam Weaponry. Yeah, that, that is one of the newer articles. They um, This was one of those – it was a feature on a series of things, and it had the pain ray. It was, oh, it was literally like a, a, a series of uh, a couple paragraphs each. Gotcha. Um, in the print magazine. Well, I guess but the, yes, that is – that is one I consulted now, and it's the picture of the guy <laughs> covered in foam. It looks like he's been attacked by a bunch of octopuses. Yes, the, and, and it's thicker than silly string. It's probably a few uh, centimeters uh, in diameter. The spray. It's uh, it's not an attractive look. No, I have it's to not. Say. It's not. All right. Well, I think uh, I think that's a great discussion about non-lethal weapons in general, and obviously there, that there are tons more. Yeah, these are just yeah. sort of examples of some of the ones that have had. Probably the most publicity behind them, and of and course some of the weirder ones too. I'm sure there are others that we don't even have any real inkling of because they are classified projects. Yeah, even the uh, the future non-lethal weapons that they list on the DoD site, I have a feeling that those are probably not everything they're working on. I would imagine not. Just, just have a feeling. So that was a, a good discussion. If you guys have a suggestion for topics that we should cover in future episodes, let us know. Send us a message at techstuffatdiscovery.com or let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. And Chris and I will talk to you again really soon. 
For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Running a business is no cakewalk, but with SAP Concur Solutions, you can be ready for anything. You can manage travel, expenses, and AP all on one platform that's packed with AI and best practices, and that delivers it all through an easy, clear, I can't believe how simple that is experience. So while not much can be done about that guy who never fails to burn the microwave popcorn and stink up the entire office, with SAP Concur, you can easily handle almost anything else. Take control of your business finances today at concur.com. That's C-O-N-C-U-R dot com. It's brand new season two. I'm Marissa Thalberg. And I'm Stephen Wolf Bededa. And we're excited to be back having bigger, bolder, and always real conversations. Straight from the C-suite front lines of marketing, media, and more. We have great friends joining from people you may know, like Wilmer Valderrama and Bobby Burke. And people you'll want to know. So grab a coffee or, hey, even an Aperol Spritz and come join us on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Listen to brand new on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was good! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really needs your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene, run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, I'm Bob Pittman, Chairman and CEO of iHeartMedia. I'm excited to announce a new season of my podcast, Math & Magic, Stories from the Frontiers of Marketing. Our guests this season show us big risk can yield big rewards, like Rob Riley, the creative head of one of the world's leading advertising firms. I try to create environments where Anybody can say anything without any judgment. Listen to a brand new season of Math & Magic on our very own iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast.